Hello, Rasa. Hi, Pav. How are you today? I'm doing great. I am also doing well. Are you ready to know everything, though? I am ready to know everything. Let's do it. Today, I want to talk to you about titles. The name that is for a book or a movie or a song or whatever. Because a great title is like a perfect poem. It says the maximum possible in the minimum number of words. Yeah, that's true. Usually it's only about two words, three at most. But it's got to give you a sense of the whole story, right? Yeah. First, to be frank, some books are really famous, so you might think they're good titles, but they're really not. War and Peace, Crime and Punishment, Don Quixote. Those are perfectly acceptable titles, but they're not great titles. I think of them as get-out-of-the-way titles. They're like, read what's inside or not, I don't care, I have a lot to cover, so I listed two big themes or the name of my main character on the front. So, what's better? Well, a classic great title is The Sound and the Fury. First of all, it promises action. Sound, fury, fireworks. Are you in? Yeah. Second of all, it takes another even more classic classic. In this case, Shakespeare's Macbeth. And makes it totally new and relevant. Out, out, brief candle. That's Shakespeare. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Wow. Now, get that last part? A tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing? <sighs> yeah. So Faulkner is saying, this is a tale told by an idiot, signifying nothing. Just what Shakespeare warned you about. He's being hugely pretentious. My book connects to the most famous writer ever. And he's also being very slyly humble. And then it turns out that the main character who starts the narration is himself a child with intellectual disabilities. Someone who other people call an idiot. But whose insights help make the novel the masterpiece it is. So the title really is very directly about what's inside the book. Wow, that's one smart title. Nice job, Faulkner. Now, another classic example, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. The title comes from about the only source more famous than Shakespeare, the Bible. It says, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and casteth to the place where he arose. And this quote is included in the beginning of The Sun Also Rises. So Hemingway is saying very loudly, very clearly, I'm writing about a new generation of people. And maybe you worry that they have replaced your generation, but don't freak out too much because they will be replaced themselves someday soon. And he's also saying, and I love this, I can rewrite the Bible. It's not, the sun also ariseth anymore, is it? Nope. It's, the sun also rises. In other words, don't worry, I'll tell it to you straight. <laughs> Quickly, 
other great titles. Madame Bovary by Gustave Flaubert, because that's how everyone wrongly sees the main character. To them, she's just Mrs. Bovary, Charles Bovary's wife, but she wants to be so much more than that, and she is. The Red and the Black by Stendhal. Okay, this sounds like War and Peace, Crime and Punishment, right? Yeah. But it's way more specific. The red refers to the red uniforms soldiers in the French military wear. The black refers to the black uniforms of the clergy. And these are basically the only two paths for the main character, Julian, to try to pursue his dreams of power and glory, since he starts out as a poor, connectionless country kid. Which one does he choose? See? Great title. You're hooked. Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Another Shakespeare reference. Look it up. Promising both a really long read, true, and a really fun read, double true. Infinite Jest. It's also directly relevant to the book's central focus on entertainment and escape, all in just two words. Yeah. Let me not neglect nonfiction where great titles are more often fantastically blunt. The Art of War. How to Win Friends and Influence People. He's just not that into you. I could go on. All the King's Men. The Prime of Miss Jean Brody. The Fire Next Time. What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake. All great titles. But time is short, and I want to share with you the best title I have ever written. Whoa, tell me. Years ago, before we were married, I traveled with your mother to Vietnam. There we discovered what became and remains one of our absolute favorite foods. Avocado, ice, and Sweden condensed milk, all blended together and served with a straw. I know these avocado milkshakes. Yes. Basically an avocado milkshake. And you know it sounds weird, but it's... Delicious. So, we come back home. I write an article talking about how great this crazy dish is, how we discovered it, how it's made, what it tastes like, why everyone should try one. But I sent this article out everywhere, and I couldn't get a single response from editors. And do you know why not? Why not? My title was bad. I'd chosen something totally bland in praise of the avocado milkshake. I might as well have titled it, Who Wants Sugary Guacamole? Boring. Mm -hmm. A new title came to me. And as soon as I typed the words, I knew the article would sell next time I sent it out. Editors couldn't not read this article, and so readers would not be able to pass on it either. And I was right Within the hour, I had an acceptance letter in my email inbox. Its subject line, my title was, How to Drink an Avocado. Oh, that is addictive. A good title is worth the wait. Yeah, and in this case, bring a straw. Are you ready for today's poem? Yes. It's called Rondeau by Lee Hunt. Jenny kissed me when we met, jumping from the chair she sat in. Time 
you thief who love to get sweets into your list, put that in. Say I'm weary, say I'm sad, say that health and wealth have missed me. Say I'm growing old, but add, Jenny kissed me. Wow. Can I read it? Please. Rondo by Lee Hunt. Jenny kissed me when we met, jumping from the chair she sat in. Time, you thief who loved to get sweets into your list. Put that in. Say I'm weary. Say I'm sad. Say that health and wealth has missed me. Say I'm growing old, but add, Jenny kissed me. Why'd you pick that poem? Well, I have had a first kiss or two in my life. And I know that may be a little gross to you. Ugh. But they are these memorable moments. And you just shoot out from your everyday concerns and the rest of your life. And it feels like things have changed forever. And you have this fist pump as you're walking home afterward. And I loved that feeling that gets captured in this poem. This poem is actually hundreds of years old, but it feels as fresh as yesterday. That's so romantic, but still gross. Time, you thief. What does he mean by that? What does time take from us? Well, I guess time can take things from you. Like in this poem, it says, health and wealth have missed him. He's growing old, sad. He's weary. He's tired. So it can take your energy, your happiness, your health, your money. But it can't take away... Those moments. Those moments. And... The moment is captured so well, right? It doesn't say just that Jenny kissed him. What's the action? She jumped from the chair she sat in. Can't you just picture that's like a cat springing up? Just that burst of love and that feeling that to him is the best feeling in the world. Though, to me, it's a little gross. Notice the rhymes in this poem. Met and get. Sad and add. And some words are just repeated. Chair she sat in, put that in, missed me, kissed me. Yeah, I like the rhyme. It's subtle in there. It's not like, I ate a fox and he had socks in a box. It's more like, you don't notice, but it adds something to it. It makes it more memorable and more powerful, but it's subtly done. So it still seems just like somebody's just talking about this kiss that made them pump their arms up in joy. Yeah. If you were talking to Time, that thief, what's the last word you'd want Time to say about you? That, if anything else, I'm nice. And that I always love to read. Last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? Yes, I have a vexing question from a listener named Georgia. Okay, what is Georgia's question? Does the birthday song in different languages have the same tune? Happy birthday to... Mm. I'll look it up, I'll dig deep, and I'll get back to you and Georgia. Okay. 
I'm back. And this is so interesting. The birthday song tune was originally composed for a completely different song. Good morning to all. And the composers were a Kentucky kindergarten teacher and her sister who played the piano, Patty and Mildred Hill. Hey, wait a second. When I learned to play this song on my guitar, I thought I saw those names on the music sheet. Yes, their names are still remembered because they published it in an 1893 book of kindergarten songs. And by 1911, the tune had been taken and tied to the lyrics of another new song, Happy Birthday to You. In 1988, a big music company bought the rights to the song for $25 million. Wow. And then charged anyone who wanted to sing it in public. They made $2 million a year from it until 2016 when it finally became free to use. Wow, that's pretty recent. Yeah. Well after you were born, if we saw a movie where someone was singing it, they had to pay the big bucks. And yes, the same tune has spread to more than a dozen other languages. Arabic, Basque, Catalan, Dutch, Finnish, French, German, Hebrew, Indonesian, Irish, Italian, Korean, Mandarin, Chinese, Norwegian, Portuguese, Spanish, and Tagalog. I personally have heard it and sung it in English, French, and Spanish for starters, but obviously I have a long way to go. According to the Songwriters Hall of Fame, its melody is, quote, quite likely the most sung music in history, including all the outputs of the three Bs, Beethoven, Bach, and the Beatles. Wow. I wonder if any of the songs that I heard in kindergarten will someday be world famous. Thank you, Georgia. Listeners, we love getting your vexing questions. Please submit your own via the button on our website, youmustknoweverything.com. You Must Know Everything is produced by me, Jeremy Smith, and her, Rasa Smith, with awesome music by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, or however you like to listen, and hear dozens of previous episodes for free. Please rate, review, and share the show with friends. And please join us next time for everything you need to know.